morning, everyone. How are you doing? Well, it's a good week. I can tell you that. It is a powerful week, as Pastor Christian was saying. Uh, a lot of going, lot, lot happening for the Lord. That's what matters. It's for the Lord, not for our own selves. But uh, this Friday night, I want to invite you out. Some of you probably wonder, when do, when do they take communion around here? Well, we're going to do it this Friday night. Did you hear me? We're taking communion this Friday night. So if you missed it, it's not our fault. We're inviting you to the table for communion. You're like, what do you mean? Not doing it on Sunday? We're going we're gonna to break up some of that religion. We're just going to break up some of that religion. Y'all okay with that? Friday night, we're going to have a worship night. It's going to be a beautiful setting in here, powerful, powerful uh, buildup, and we are going to have communion together as a family. And let me tell you, God's going to do some things. He's going to change some hearts. He's going he's to free you guys up for some, from some things. He's going to liberate you from things that you didn't know, even know you needed to be liberated from. Isn't that good? And that's exactly what the Holy Spirit does. He just comes in and he meets us right there at our deepest need. We're looking another direction. He brings our attention to this direction. He's like, oh, I didn't know I needed that. Thank you, Lord. So if you don't know, you will know. I invite you to be here this Friday night, uh, 6 p.m. We are in our series, uh, It's Party Time. The series, Party Time. And I'm, I'm breaking up again some thought processes that you might have because you may think, well, what do you mean? I mean, I, a party is this. And let me tell you, God has designed parties, festivals on purpose that we practice, that his children practice to point us to Jesus. And don't, don't be upset because we use the word and the world has distorted, that culture has distorted. And so I'm using this to break up some of those th old thought patterns and old perspectives because for some reason we think we go and we're, we raise and we have a great time and yeah, we have struggles and sometimes that's what led us to the Lord and all of a sudden we've got to be very stoic. All of a sudden we kind of almost be lifeless without joy. However, the joy of the Lord is our strength, and if I have the strength of the Lord, I should be living a lifestyle. If it's a party, baby, I'm having good time, a good time. I know what I have. I know that this is just a season of my life, and I have eternal life, and I have everything to be excited and happy for. It sounds like I need to help you get there. So we're talking about today the Feast of Tabernacles. We've talked about the Feast of Trumpets. These are fall feasts. The Feast of Trumpets we discussed is where they blew the shofar, and it is a pronouncing that the Lord is coming. Then we talked about after 10 days of awe of repentance comes the Feast of Atonement. This is where uh, a sacrificial lamb, Jesus was that sacrificial lamb, uh, is sacrificed for the sins of the community and the blood of is put, placed, sprinkled on the mercy seat, which Jesus is the mercy seat. And because of what he did on the cross, the blood he shed, and being the mercy seat for us, our sins were atoned for once and for all. And because he's resurrected, that has power. And so we get to experience, that's what this festival is pointing to, we get to experience the benefits of the atonement that Jesus Christ has already provided. 
Let me tell you how important that is. If you don't know that, you'll be stuck in guilt and shame and condemnation of sin that you may or may not, that you probably commit, not knowing that that too has already been atoned for. There's no need for another sacrifice. All I have to do is come and confess to the Lord and share with another, the Lord for forgiveness, another for healing. Okay. Okay, you're showing me where you're at. So let me just break this up a little bit more for you. We're talking about the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Tabernacles. What is this Feast of Tabernacles? Well, a tabernacle was a, a temporary shelter. They would, a booth even. There's different words that God uses, different translations that, that convert this word into booth, tabernacle, shelter, where he dwelled. It's a dwelling place as well. And so they, these were tabernacles, shelters, tents even, that God's children, the Hebrews, once they were brought, that God brought them out of Egypt into the wilderness for 40 years, he had them dwell, moving and dwelling in tents, in shelters, temporary shelters. So this feast was to be performed to commemorate and remember what God did and how he brought them out and he covered them, he protected them, he provided for them, he healed them, and he led them. Fire by night, cloud by day. And they would move in these booths, these tents, to follow the Lord, to stay in the covering and the presence of the Lord. These are, these are a reality and it's also a celebration for God's people, the Israelites actually, to always commemorate. So once a year in this fall time, they would get together, following these other two feasts I forementioned, they would get together, they would build a little tents, shelters, and then they would, they would dress them up with colorful lights, a colorful uh, cloth, they would put fruits, fresh fruits around, and they would literally celebrate as commanded to honor God for what he's done. His testimonies. They, kept, they were keeping his testimonies in their minds and their hearts because he was also pointing them to one day a Messiah will come and dwell, tabernacle with them, and be that very person. All right. So Leviticus, God told Moses this in Leviticus 23, 41. So it says, you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord for seven days in the year. For seven days, I want you to party. Anybody ever party for one night and you're like taxed, exhausted, like 3 a.m., I'm out. <laughs> Whew, goodness. But you want me to party for seven days? <laughs> seven days in the year. It shall be a statute forever in your generations. You shall celebrate it in the seventh month. Again, this is around September, October of our calendar. 42. You shall dwell in booths. And God starts this repetitive nature to get it in our heads. You shall dwell in booth. He's, he's starting to form perspective so that whenever this thing happens, you can't help but to see it. It's you shall dwell in booths. I'm pointing you to something that you need to focus on to see because I've got a blessing on the other side of it. There's, you shall dwell in booths for seven days. All who are native Israelites shall dwell in booths, 43, that your generations may know that I made the children of Israel dwell in booths. I made you focus on this truth, this principle, this thing, this action, this, this understanding and idea. I made you do it. 
when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Okay, good news. So how is this feast celebrated today? It's, fa- it's actually common, as we said. They even do it today. They'll even come together, and they'll, they'll actually get, get uh, fruit together. They'll get gifts. It's kind of like a combination of our Thanksgiving and Christmas. They're celebrating one another. They're honoring one another. They're honoring God and celebrating with one another. Give, they're giving offerings, and they're giving gifts, and they're saying it's all about the community, and it's all about leading and serving and worshiping God together. This is what they're pointing at. This is how they do it. And it, it's actually called, the, the, the festival is plural for shelter, which is Sukkot. That's the name, the, Jew, the Hebrew name for this festival, Sukkot. And so uh, they would get together, share, and the Jewish people would prepare a special bank- banquet with four plants. This is really interesting. And they would wave it before the Lord. They would wave it before the Lord. So here's what the plants were. It's, it's called, it's, this actually is called a lulav, and each element holds a very symbolic meaning. In the right hand, you had one palm branch, two willow branches, and three myrtle branches. In the right hand, let me do that backwards, palm we're opposite directions. Palm, willow, two willows, and three myrtle branches. And in the right hand, sorry, in the left hand, it'd be an etrog, a citrus fruit. A citrus fruit. In Leviticus 23 and 40, it says, And you shall take for yourselves on the first day the fruit of beautiful trees, branches of palm trees, the boughs of leafy trees. And willows of the brook, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. I want you to have a festival of a time. I want you to enjoy yourself for seven days and one another. I want you to honor me and honor one another. Have fun. Relax. Be joyful. It's okay. The species is citrus has a strong fragrance. The wise men, let me, let me tell you this, the, the wise men of Israel saw this as banquet as a symbol of the nation's unity, bringing all these perspectives to unity. I'm gonna break it down. In, in the New Testament, we picture this, we see this uh, played out in the parable of Jesus in Matthew 13, the four soils. And let me explain each element of that. The citrus plant, the citrus, the etrog, has a strong fa- fragrance and distinct tastes represents Israelites who carry the pleasant scent of the Torah and fulfill it. So they carry the word in their hearts and they live it out. For us, it would be they listen to the word of God and they're living it out in their lifestyle. That's the citrus fruit over over here. Then you have the willow, the palm, and the myrtle. The the, The palm branch has no smell, but palms bear a sweet fruit, the dates. That's where dates come from. You go to Israel, they are delicious. And it's actually, it's actually very prophetic and supernatural how Israel has become, and they're not native, palms are not native to Israel. However, because of God's working in modern day, they are the greatest producer of dates in the world. And so God established, and there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a reason behind that, and I'll explain that when you guys come to Israel with me next year. Those of you who come, you're going to get the full story. But there's a, uh, he says that the palm represents those who do not know the Torah, 
but they strive to live well. If I can just be good enough, if I can just work hard enough, if I can just serve enough, if I can just give enough, there's something that happens in our religion that says, if I can just put on enough, I can earn it. When in reality, Jesus came to show us, if you'll just take it all off, take off the religion and just receive what I have for you, you will find the very thing that I came to the cross for. Ooh, okay. I really have to dig into this. So they're honoring the scriptures without knowing him. It's a difference between exposure and experience. Oh, we've been exposed to the word, but have we experienced the word? Oh, I know the text, but you, do you know the man who is the text? Have you experienced the life change that comes with experiencing the Holy Spirit, which comes with the power of the text? Or have you just read the text? There's two different worlds. The myrtle, on the other hand, has a very pleasant scent but does not bear any edible fruit. I guess it smells good. It has no fruit. It's like those who know God's words, but they don't, they don't do anything according to it. They don't live according to it. Oh, I know the word, brother. Great. Let's start seeing it. Ooh. Another putting on and putting on and putting on to earn it, to get religious enough to look like Jesus, and you never do. I'm about to set y'all free. I'm not, listen, relax, shake it off. Hey, shake it off. That religion that you came in with, let's shake it off because it's about to get cut loose, all right? If you let go of it, it will get cut loose. Finally, the willow, which gives neither a pleasant smell nor fruit, symbolizes those who do not know the Torah and have not made any attempts to live their lives in a worthy or good manner. But waving this full bouquet together, now these are people who believe in God, they just have different places, they're in different soils. They believe that there is a God, but what they're saying, these are Jews, this is what they're saying, they're saying, hey, Accept us as we are, please, and unify us. Bring unity and accept us. And it is at the, 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 the desire of God when the second coming of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, when he comes, oh, he's going to meet, he wants to meet us where we are. And when he comes for the first coming in your life, he wants to meet you right where you are, but it's not his plan to leave you there. It's to make you become all he's created you to be. Here and now. And then I will not unite you because it's no longer about you and selfish ambition, but it's about his will and his ways. Woo. Lord, help us from selfish ambition. And when he comes again, oh, he will unite because in a moment, all of us who are in Christ will be atoned for once and for all, and we will be in the presence of the Father. Hallelujah. How, this is why it's, you should be so excited. The lifestyle you should be carrying is a festive lifestyle. It's a party lifestyle. It's like, I'm good. I got some sin I got to deal with. I got some stuff I struggle with. But God has given me some principles. I just bring it to him. He sets me free. I take it to a brother, and they heal me, and I go on. 
there's some experience that needs to take place in this house. There's a difference between exposure and experiencing God. And he is faithful to teach us and transform us and help us grow. Let's talk about the now and the later. And the message of the Feast of Tabernacles is also about the future. Again, when he comes, he will restore. He will make things new. He will unify. He will, he will restore his kingdom here on earth. In the book of Zechariah, verse, or chapter 14, foreshadows the return of the Messiah and his saints. And it speaks of the Messiah's reign, God's exaltation of Jerusalem, overcoming Israel's enemies, and all nations pilgrimaging to the holy city. Can I tell you right now, prophetically, in time's word, people are moving to the holy city, to Jerusalem, in droves right now. They're, the housing is six months behind in production. It's never been like this before. There are prophetic declarations from God's word that are taking place in our lifetime here and now. Let's talk about the unity in the Feast of Tabernacles. During the Feast of Booths, Feast of Tabernacles, the Jewish people also pray. They're praying for this. They're praying for unity. They're praying for other nations. They're praying for you, and, and God is asking us to pray for the Israelites. They're inviting, they're inviting others to come to Jerusalem and celebrate this feast that sometimes they don't even realize has been fulfilled on one level. They're inviting the world to come to Jerusalem, come to the Holy Land, celebrate this feast with, their, God, with us. God has already commanded Moses and the Hebrews to include the foreigner in the feast. He says this in Deuteronomy 16 and 14. It says, and you shall rejoice in your feast, you and your sons and your daughters, your male servant and your female, ser your female servant, and the Levite, the stranger and the fatherless, and the widow who are within the gate. He's saying, everybody just come, have, uh, celebrate, have some fun, relax, focus on who the provider is, and let me do the work before you. The Feast of Tabernacles is a time to evaluate our past and our decisions, our refocus on our minds on the right path. God wants each generation to remember their journey after Egypt and all that he's done for them, all he's provided. He's constantly pointing them back, Here, here's what I've done, here's what I've done, here's what I've done, here's what I'm doing, I did it then, I wanna do it again. Deuteronomy 8, 17 and 18 says this, then you say in your heart, my power and the, and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives the power, gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to, to your fathers as it is this day. Oh, man, I did this on my own. No, you didn't. God made a way so that you could walk in it. It's God's will that you have what you have, God's ability that you have, the wealth that you have, the provision. It is God who leads in the wilderness, who provides, who protects, who heals. It is his mighty hand that is doing the work to fulfill his covenant here on earth, and he just happened to choose you to do it. He just happened to open doors that no man could open and shut doors that no man could shut so that you could stumble in the very walk that you're in right now. And that you, yes, you, 
would be so grateful that you would turn and give God the glory, and then he would then in turn to bless you mightily so that you could be a living vessel to extend his kingdom here on earth. That's why you exist. This feast of the tabernacle is a time of spiritual purification for a man and woman to reconcile with God. He's just saying, just get right. Let's just just get right. Forget all the guilt. Forget all the shame. Forget all the condemnation. That doesn't come from me. Let's just get right. There's some things, there's some work that needs to be to get done, and you can't do it with the mindset that you have, the weight that you're carrying. Let's just get right. Let's use this as a time so that we can get right. Can I tell you, brothers and sisters, that this is a lifestyle for all of us who are in Christ, that as we go, we're going to get dirty. This is why Jesus washed the feet of the disciples. It wasn't because they would never be dirty again. It's because he was saying, you are washed, you are washed, and you are washed and clean once and for all. Boy, it's a season of overwhelming joy. That's why we should be living out overwhelming joy in all things. The joy of the Lord is our strength. The abundant crops are a reminder of, of God's goodness. This is the end of one harvest and the beginning of another harvest to start soon. They start to start plowing again. They start preparing the ground again. All of this is prophetic. Israel rejoices in the miraculous protection of God who accompanied them in the desert. Remember, this is the reason they, they, they practiced, they started this Feast of Tabernacles. I, I'll lead you, I'll protect you, I'll provide for you, and I'll heal you. You don't have to do any of it yourself. Just walk in what I've provided. Walk with me, follow the fire and the cloud. Continually training his people how to walk in step with a holy God. It's also a manifestation of the total dependence upon God. Hashanah Rabbah, which means the great salvation. This comes at the end of this feast. Hashanah Rabbah, the great salvation. It's pointing to the one who would come and tabernacle with us. The great Salvador, salvation. The seventh day and final day of the Sukkot, and God called it great. And what's funny is you've been partying for seven days. You've been having a good time. Y'all been sharing with one another, gifting to one another, being very communal in lifestyle. And yet with all of that, he says, oh, you think this, this party is over? No, 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 no. Hold. I want you to add another day. He calls it Shemini Atzeret. He's saying, you've been, you're, you're probably tired. So let me just give you rest on the eighth day. I want you to rest from your own works. Numbers 29, 35 says this. On the eighth day, hold. Don't go back to work. But God, we've been partying. We've been resting. There's crops out there, and we're, we're just festing, and we're having all this time. It's time to get back to work. I got to get back to work. I got to be getting back to work. There's things I got to do. There's, there's chores that are adding up. It's stocking. It's piling up. There's no, nobody's doing it. The servants, the, my wife, the helpers, everybody is breaking and having fun. The work. Am I relating to anybody, Americans? And God is saying, relax. And when you're done having a party, take a break. Rest from your partying. But do it joyfully. And he says this. He says, I think... Oh, sorry, he, he says, I want you to focus on me now that you, and quit the festing and just rest in me. And I think that more of us would begin to understand how unreligious God is. 
and how legalism and our approach to God's words would just fall away if we learned to just walk with the inner dwelling of the Holy Spirit and we moved when he led, we understood his protection, we came under him for, the, for his protection and we understood that he is our provider, we trusted him in all things and when we had a struggle, we knew that he was gonna heal us from it because he's a good God. Let's talk about through the cross though. Apostle John in his, in his gospel actually references this Sukkot. It's hidden inside of there. And you, you just, if you're glancing without the illumination of the Holy Spirit in, as you're reading the word, you have a knowledge and exposure of the word, but you don't have an experience of the word. And so when we ask the Holy Spirit, we spend time intentionally seeking out God and his word and what he has to say in revelation to us. We start to see things just pop up off off the word of God and God speaks to it and it's even personal as well as it is contextual. And he says this in John 1, 14, says, and the word, which is Jesus, became flesh and tabernacles. He put his booth on. He became a tent. He sheltered up among us. And he and we behold his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Does the world see the glory of the tabernacle upon you? You, we should be so full of joy, so full of passion, My life is a festival. What do I have to worry about? I've got somebody who's going to take care of it. It's not a problem. He's got it. He doesn't need my help. He says, just party. Celebrate me. Take care of one another. Offer up offerings and rest. I can't do that, Lord. Rest. Then he gives a new definition of rest. What does rest look like? How do I do that? How do I find that? How do I achieve that? Because we want to achieve because we're achievers. we got to earn it, right? We're, well, that's just putting on more stuff. And then it becomes more weighty. And then I become I have more shame. I've got more guilt because I just can't do it enough. I can't earn it enough. I can't read enough. I can't work it enough. I can't provide it enough. And he's just saying, if you'll just bring it to me, confess it and release it, let me take it from you and really let me fulfill the atonement in your life, you can stand up away from it. It's taken off of you. You're lighter and you actually can walk in rest. Remember the last day we talked about Shemini Etzret, that's the eighth day of the celebration. And after a hot and dry summer, crops are up, you're partying, you haven't cut them yet, you're resting. He's saying, hey, hot and dry, hot and dry season. The summer is here. Harvest season is, is at hand. There's going to be another crop season, another planting season coming really quick. And so he's stirring some things up. He says, pray for me. Pray for rain. Pray for rain for the waters, for the lands, for the harvest at hand and the harvest to come. To prepare the ground for the plowing and the planting. One's coming to an end and one's starting all at the same time. And it focuses in on this day. Do you see how God just grabs the focus of his people and says, hey, I want you to focus in right here. I want you to do this thing. I want you to see me in this thing that I'm doing in your life. But I got to get rid of the distractions. I got to quit trying to earn it. I got to quit trying to do it enough. 
I just need to fall into it and allow him to do the work in me and through me and for me. Grace is not worked for. It's given. It's all by grace. Yeah, I got to decide to walk with him. John 7, 37, John calls this the greatest day of the Feast of Tabernacles, and it's no wonder that Jesus shows up at this opportune moment. It's the eighth day. Pray for rain on this day to heal, to bring water, to bring, uh, to bring fluid, to bring replenishing, refreshing to this dry land. Like this is natural prayers because of a natural, real situation. And let me just tell you, annually, Somehow, even though it falls sometimes in September and sometimes in October, God brings a physical rain. Look at history. And the disciples are going up to this feast. It's time to party. They know it like, Jesus, come on, let's go party. And he's like, no, my time has not yet come. I'm going to stay back. But instead, he says, y'all go ahead. I'm going to come. He's looking for this opportune moment. He walks in. On the last day of the greatest day of the festival, in the greatest day of the festival, day eight, Jesus stood and said a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty, anyone that's been walking around in a desert, anyone who feels dry, any, anyone who feels like, I don't know how it's going to work out. I feel so alone. I feel so far away. Anyone who is trying to work it up enough thinking, I, I'm, I'm just giving my whole heart, and really your, the outside of your heart is callous. It's got, it's got corns on it. It's so dry. It's all withered up. There's veiny because of the, the drought. And you're working on this little piece of your heart, and you think you're giving it your all, but you're so tired you're so worn down and you're so deceived by the shame and the guilt and the workspace mentality of legalism that you don't realize that there's replenishing yet to come and he says if you'll just come to me and get a drink i will begin to take water into those deep places and begin to revive that heart so that you can see things that your bondage currently won't allow you to see and that no one can actually tell you what looks like or feels like until you just come to him. Continually coming to him his way. And then verse 38 says, whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will indeed flow from within them. The Lord, I feel so good, so full of life. Can I say, if you don't feel so full of life today, it may be because you're in a desert and you didn't know that you got out of the river. It may be that you decided to take on more things than God was giving you emotionally, mentally, and as he was giving you those things, instead of taking them off and bringing them to him, you said, well, I can handle this, and I can handle that. I'm going to be okay. It's not a big deal. Other people have it worse than I, but God is specifically, individually speaking to you to whatever it is that you're carrying, if you'll just come and lay it down and receive the atonement, receive healing, receive freedom, receive forgiveness, share with a brother or sister and let it go. The waters start to flood and flow in your heart 
in your soul. You're revived. You're full of life. And you are walking out a party lifestyle of hallelujah. And you find Sabbath rest as you're laboring in him. So on the same Sabbath day, mind you, this begins Simchat Torah. This is literally the joy of the Torah. This word means the joy of the word, the joy of the Torah. It's a yearly cycle of reading through the Torah, through the scriptures. So this eighth day, they're praying for rain. God brings rain. Jesus shows up and he says, drink of me. You'll be replenished. You'll be refreshed. In fact, living waters will just be flowing and bubbling up out of you. Let me just say this. The Dead Sea is drying up as it should. There's so much sediment in there, so many minerals that nothing can live. But here's what they're finding. There's bubbles, pockets of fresh water that are bubbling up out of the ground. And fish are living in these little pockets floating around the Dead Sea. There is life coming into desert. It's a prophetic declaration of what Jesus is saying right here. He is, whew, Okay. So after these feasts, sorry, let me just finish this part. They begin the Torah. It comes around. It's also the day they end. Listen, they start a crop. There's another crop. It's also harvest day. God is continually pointing them back to the word. So we spend time. The moment we, we realize that he's tabernacling with us, we're celebrating, we're resting in him, and we're spending time with the word. When we get into the scriptures, we find God's wisdom and his mercy. Is there anybody in here that could use a little mercy from God? Is there anybody here that's maybe felt condemned, shame, carrying a little bit of guilt, hidden guilt? Like, it's inside. And you know you need to let it go. You're thinking nobody will know. If I can, I can work this through, but in reality, the eyes are the window to the soul. And what's in the soul that you think is hiding is starting to shrink your heart. The outside's dry places, and you're beating from this little bitty acorn, thinking that you have life, and you have life more abundantly. And you're wondering why you're struggling so much, why it feels so desertous, why there's nobody coming around to save you. And God may be trying to say, would you just come to me, be revived, bring it to me, whatever it is, confess it to me, receive forgiveness, let the way come off and put on him share with a brother or a sister so that you can be healed and walk away from it revived yeah. i'm giving you basic scripture i'm giving you the way i'm giving you life i'm giving you freedom i'm giving you a spiritual practice that if you just do this simple thing even today at this altar team listen i gotta confess i'm gonna confess to the lord and i just gotta tell you what i confess to the lord would you just pray for me brother it's that simple walk away different Walk away different. His spiritual covering. The Feast of Tabernacles was also an annual physical reminder that no matter where the Israelites lived, God was their true shelter. I got you covered. I got you. The concept of shelter may not come as naturally to us, but most of us are used to having a home. Some may have, have been homeless for a short, a short period of time. But God provides a shelter. He provides a tabernacle. He provides this dwelling place to show people that no matter what, I am going to provide protection for you. I'm going to provide for you. I can heal your situation. 
but I'm going to lead you. Though God may, may gift you with this house for physical protection, friends and family for emotional protection, and a church for spiritual protection, which he does, it's his word. Ultimately, he is the roof over your house, over your life. He is the roof. Wait on, hold up on your amens. The only one able to shelter you from the desert, the pains, the brokenness. Psalms 27, 5 says this, For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. Well, I like to hang out around a pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me, he shall set me high upon a rock. Thank you, God. Next one. Psalm 91, 1, 4 says, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. That's, that's the, the festival right there. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. A fortress knows, someone who says that knows they're protected, they're provided for, they are covered, they are strong in the Lord. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. You don't sit there on that side walking in guilt and shame and condemnation. You sit there set free, healed, and living the full life that God has created for you. Verse 4, he will cover you with his feathers under his wings. You will find refuge with uh, his faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. He's saying, I'll take care of those big issues that you have. And we're so quick to come, Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do. And this is so, I'm broken. My finances, my relationship, my marriage, my occupation, these big things. But he's saying, I'll also take care of these little things. Oh, I got that. That's not a big deal. No, I'm good. No, 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 I don't have time for that. I don't need to deal with that. No, it's all good. I, it's okay. I don't know why I keep having these issues, but it's not that big of a deal. We don't know that we're actually being buried in a, in a short, shallow tomb by these little stones that are starting to build up around us. And all of a sudden, it's not that big of a deal. You're buried under it, and you don't realize you're in a dry land. I'm preaching to somebody today. But he's saying, if you'll one by one me, with these stones, Lord, I confess this has been bothering. Lord, I confess I sinned in this area. Lord, I confess I did this thing I shouldn't have. Lord, I confess I watched this and I shouldn't have. Lord, I confess I thought this. I said this. I imagined this. Lord, I confess. Lord, I confess. Lord, I confess. Lord, I confess. And he'll say, you're forgiven. 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 And I say, Bruce, come here, brother. I got, I'm forgiven, so I need to share this thing with you. I did this. I thought this. I said this. I felt this. I wanted to do this. I wanted to do this. Thank you. A prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Oh, thank God I'm healed from that. These are by faith basic principles of God's word. You either believe it, you either understand it, or you're just exposed to it. Do you want to be the etrog, the, the citrus fruit that is fragrant, that is full of life, that is, is bears good fruit wherever it goes? Do you want to smell like the glory of God, or do you just want to be exposed and be aware of it? Proverbs 18.10 says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous Anybody who's in Christ, you are the righteousness of Christ. God sees you through the Son, righteous, justified. However, 
the righteous, because of that, you'll run, you'll run to him and give it away. Give it away. Give it, get all the, all the heart issues, all the pains. You'll run to him because you know he's good. You know he's already done the finished work. The finished work means it is finished. And you know it because you know who he is. You know him experientially. You're not just exposed to the idea of who he is. I hope I can break down enough to, today in this short amount of time that you can see the difference. Y'all good? Can you see the difference? I just want you guys to be living the full life, free, healed. It may be that some of the healing is withheld because of the things that you're withholding. Can I say I've seen it too many times to know otherwise? I saw it this week. As I ministered to 20 other pastors around this nation. Churches from hundreds to thousands. How are we any different? I'm telling you, the mercy seat is good. Why we need to know this? God has not called us into a life of comfort. These promises of the tabernacles are tied with the reality that he calls us into discomfort until discomfort becomes our comfort. It becomes our comfort because we realize that God's protection, his covering, the sheltering, the booth, the tabernacle is moving in the direction of his specific will for your life. So as you move with him, you are protected. He brings provision. He brings healing. And he leads you and guides you into the fullness of your purpose, which he specifically created you for. I'm giving somebody some purpose words. Some, some of us are struggling because we've just become too comfortable and complacent. We've become immobile and God's provision is moving and we're wondering why we're struggling. Some of us heard a little word and a little whisper and we got so excited because of a lack of covering spiritually and immaturity that we ran forward and we left God's protection and provision and healing back there. Which why if we experience the word with the word indwelling and being transformed by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, we are walking in step with him as he's leading, not getting ahead, not getting behind. We are walking in his provision. We are walking in his protection. We are walking in his healing and we are walking in his will. God has not called us to be stagnant. He desires that we walk humbly with him, that we walk humbly with our God. As we do, he tabernacles with us along the journey, providing nourishment, providing resources, providing clarity of vision. Anybody been confused? Remember Nehemiah, God put it in his heart to return back to Jerusalem, God's holy city, to restore the kingdom of God. And God, because he answered the call, Nehemiah answered the call, God provided, gave provision and protection to restore the kingdom. The call 
and the design on each one of you is no different. His will is the same, that you with the resources, the nourishment, the provision, the protection, the healing, that you walk according to his specific will for your life. But you got to hear it. And you got to take all those little stones off that you're buried in and you don't realize you're a walking tomb. Can I pray for you? I just, the Lord's speaking and I know it. He's speaking right now. There's something that he's stirring. He's even saying right now, this is what I want you to hand over. You know what it is. Can I just say I, I meet with men just like this one that's walking up here every Thursday and I start the conversation with, how's your soul? How's your soul? How's your soul? How's your soul? I'm not asking because I need to know the deep, deep and dark details so I can know what's, what you're doing, your sin. We ask so that you can get rid of that stuff and just let it go. There's healing for that. There's forgiveness for that. And we can walk together, unified, humbly, with all authority that Jesus Christ gave us. What is he asking you to stop doing today? What little stone does he want to take off? Stones. Boulders. Where has his protection gone and you stayed? Have you gone ahead of him and he's saying, come back. Bring that thing back on in. There's no struggle under here. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Father, we just thank you so much for your healing, your forgiveness, your provision, for leading us, for not leaving us where we are. Thank you for taking us into more. Thank you that you care more about our character than you do our comforts. We honor you, we praise you, and we surrender our lives to you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Come on.